0: Hey, I want to start with uh, uh, we're in this series called the gospel of john and uh, spoiler alert It's about the gospel of john And so we're going to be at the end of chapter 2 and looking into chapter 3 of the gospel of john But before we get into that I want to do a little interactive thing with people online and with you guys here in the room I want you to think about the little things That make you insanely mad The little things that make you Insanely mad maybe it's Somebody eating with their mouth open, right? We've got some nods going on back there. Uh, maybe it's the click pins. You, know, you got somebody that's just clicking a pin, or you're doing, trying to do a online school with your kids and they're clicking, or they're just bouncing their knees just constantly, and the table's just kind of shaking. I think about all of these ones that happen in the car right? Like it's people's driving, they cut you off. They're the slow a slow in there. Uh, what about you're at the grocery store and someone's just kind of camped out in the middle, right? And they've stopped there or they're just kind of meandering going back and forth or, or different things like that. Here in the room, raise your hand, yell out, whatever. What are one of those little things that you just, just drives you crazy, makes you mad? Give me some examples here no turn signals that's a good one why are you breaking why are you breaking you could have told us that Vincent you got one what do you think Ooh, brothers messing with stuff Uh yeah taking the controller yeah Galen what about you what he said or when Vincent does that to you yeah Oh, when mom does that. Oh, okay, okay. Roger, don't encourage it. It's worth your while there. Uh, you think of these little things that drive you crazy. You remember elevators? Remember those? Remember those? We'd all be in an elevator. And you go up in an elevator, and you get to your floor, and you go to get out, but there's somebody who's waiting to get in, and they come in before you have a chance to get out. It's like, hey, we live in a society, man, all right? You wait your turn. You learn that in kindergarten. Um, I, I gotta I gotta pick on my wife a little bit maybe you've seen this we, we're in bed and she's on her phone and it's at the brightest like like at the sun level of brightness and like I, I'm closing my eyes it's like radiating uh, even through my eyelids yeah she's she's great she she's she's a uh, she's changed the behavior so I appreciate that about her so much I, I'm sure you've got stuff there online as well and people are are probably sharing those in uh, the comments but but There are little things that drive us crazy, right? There's little things that, I shouldn't be this mad about this, but here I am. And usually it's something repetitive, something that you, someone you love, a kid, a a family member, and they're just doing it over and over and over again, and they don't really seem to listen to you. That's pretty rough. But then there are the things that get you mad that are legitimate. There are the things that anger you that really should anger you. Right? There are the things in this life in this world that are so bad or so frustrating or just so evil That of course you would get angry about that You know for me I we had this this neighbor who who gave my kids birthday presents And or not birthday presents Christmas presents and it was such a thoughtful thing Although I will say this one of the gifts was a kazoo and I was not a big fan of that but all in all like she loved my kids Man, that is an easy way to love me. Likewise, you disrespect my family, I'm going to get frustrated. I'm going to get angry. You disrespect or you pick on my kids, you take advantage of my kids, man, I'm going to get angry. Or you think about the, the times where you see someone manipulating someone else, using their power, their authority, their whatever, or just flat out lying to get something for someone. I see that and it just drives me crazy. Uh, the vulnerable being taken advantage of. You, you could put the, there's a lot of that vulnerable category. You think about kids. You think about kids, like, like if you're going to neglect a child, like I have major issues with you. Like I get angry about that. I, I get angry and uh, maybe you get angry about this too, but you, you watch on the local news and they'll talk about these telemarketing scams that seem to target the elderly they talk about social security checks and this and that and and people who just don't know like they just they just they take advantage and clean them out it just these sorts of things make me incredibly angry well understand this anger is an emotion that god has anger is a reaction that god has we see Jesus, who is God on Earth. Remember, we're talking about this in John. That God comes to Earth. We see Jesus getting mad and doing something about it. So let me say up front that that this is part of the personality, the nature of God. There's this incredible story we're coming to here in John chapter John chapter two, starting in verse thirteen. So John two, verse thirteen, and this is kind of known as the cleansing of the temple passage. So John chapter 2, verse 13, it'll be on the screen, it'll be there for you online, you can follow along in your Bibles as well. John chapter 2, verse 13 says this, When it was almost time for the jewish passover jesus went up to jerusalem now pause there for a second remember last week we talked about how jesus seems really focused on parties his first miracle is turning water into wine so jesus is attending a festival a holiday a celebration he's going to jerusalem for passover this is like god saying over and over again like he says with the sabbath you will take a break you will Disconnect you will celebrate you will remember you will honor what's happened before and you will have a good time Doing it. So Jesus is going to this party going to Passover to celebrate in Jerusalem picking up verse 14 in the temple courts. He found people selling cattle Sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money so he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Now, if this is a depiction of Jesus that makes you uncomfortable, stick with me. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. And then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus has spoken. Now, here's the interesting thing about this passage Matthew, Mark, and Luke, what we call the synoptic. Gospels synoptic now synoptic means similar or same so matthew mark and luke are very similar in their order of events And then john comes in and does a lot of different things with it So in the synoptic gospels matthew mark and luke this cleansing of the temple happens at the end This happens probably in the week leading up to jesus betrayal and 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 crucifixion and resurrection so, John here takes a story that is at the end for Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And remember, John is probably aware of them. He's writing this after these guys. And he puts this story at the start. So, does that mean somebody's lying? Does that mean somebody's got their story wrong? I don't think so. My guess here, my educated guess here, and looking at what other smart people have to say about this, is that John is intentionally messing with the timeline events. Not to manipulate or or say something that's untrue, but to say something specific. Remember, John's not writing this as a biographer. He's not writing this as a journalist. He's not just trying to relay events. He is writing for a very specific purpose. So that you may believe. He is writing this so that we may come to belief. And notice the the passage ends by talking about how the disciples recalled what he had said, and then they believed the scripture the words that jesus has spoken so john is putting this here to say this is something that jesus is about so we've learned this when john chapter one we see that god comes to earth that he is the source that god has moved into the neighborhood at the beginning of john chapter two we see that jesus is describing his kingdom a life of following him as his grand party where the dirty water used for washing is turned into the best wine Ever And there's no admittance fee. There's no hoops to jump through it is available to you And then he says this he shows up at the temple and sees things the religious leaders are doing and he loses it And he creates a whip And he drives the animals out and he's overturning tables. He gets mad God comes to earth and also he gets really really mad now. This was a verse. This is a story in the Bible That was quoted by my church growing up as to why when you had that fundraiser for Little League and you're selling candy bars You couldn't set up a table out in the the vestibule right in the lobby, right? This is why the Girl Scouts couldn't sell the Girl Scout cookies This is why some people get all bent out of shape when a church opens up a bookstore or a cafe or coffee shop Well, you can't do this. You can't make money. I don't think that's the point of this story Why is it that Jesus is mad? I don't think he's mad because someone is selling something I think Jesus is mad because there's now another barrier being put up There is now more distance being created between the people and God There is now more distance more hoops to jump through that people have to get to God The temple is where you meet God. The temple is where you worship God. The temple is where you offer something You offer a sacrifice that says this is how I'm connecting with you God This is how I am showing love for you so how does it create this barrier, this unnecessary step? Let's let's imagine some things about today's world. Let's imagine that here at Movement Church, there was a very specific currency that we only accepted. Right? We, there was a very specific thing that we only accepted, and not only was there only a very specific thing that we only accepted, but that you had to you had to give this. Thing before you came in here, before you watched online, this very specific thing that we only accepted was also only available here. And so when you came in, you essentially had to, you know, like currency exchange, right? You travel, you take your dollars, you turn it into whatever, and that's kind of what's going on here. But then there would be also like all these little tap add-on fees, right? All these, all these little fees, there's taxes and there's a handling fee and there's a service fee and there's a cleaning fee And there's a underbody treatment fee, which they never really do, right? Like that's not real right? But there's all these things that get tacked on and tacked on and tacked on and we're left with this It would make you mad it make you frustrated and then imagine that this is the only way to connect with God And if you don't do this God's mad at you If you don't do this god's mad at you so let's imagine you were traveling to jerusalem for passover this is one of those times of year where it was kind of required expected that all believing people who were able to would go to jerusalem to celebrate and you would go and you would bring a sacrifice so we read in the hebrew bible all these instructions as to what kind of animal you are to sacrifice and there's kind of tears based on your means and what you're able to do And it's kind of this weird thing where if you just kind of plan that you're going to buy one when you get there, you're kind of stuck with the options. Remember concession stands, you go to the ballpark, you're there. There's no alternative. It's an $8 pretzel. That's what it is. There's no $4 pretzels down the road, right? This is what it is. And you're there, and there's all this pressure, right? Like, you want your kids to have a good time, don't you, sir? Everyone else is getting the popcorn and the nachos and the pretzel and the big beer that's really this big and $18, right? There's all this expectation and pressure, and there's no other options. And then it's kind of playing on that whole idea of like, well, you're here, you should treat yourself, right? Go large, it'll feel good, right? Go ahead and upgrade, because you want to enjoy that. In the same way, you're showing up at the temple, and let's say you can only afford a sheep. And you get there, planning to buy a sheep, and you say, well, they're selling bulls. If I sacrificed a bull, I think God would love me more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go for that. It's, it's overpriced, and it's marked up, but I'm going to go for that. And if you're really, really poor, and you're really, really poor, you, you have to show up and you have to buy a, a dove, a pigeon, a, a trash bird, this rat with the wings, right? And I don't know how much a pigeon or a dove would cost. But let's just imagine you walk up and they say, oh, it's 75 for the pigeon, it's, a, it's 450 for the sheep. Like you're just out of your depth and you're overwhelmed and you're stuck. And so Jesus sees this sees people being taken advantage of, sees how there's all this distance being created between God and his people, and he loses it. He loses it. He overturns tables. He makes a whip. See, Jesus isn't anti-business. He is anti-putting up more barriers between us and him. Now, the interesting thing about this story is the ways in which people take it to justify things. Well, well, Jesus, he overturned tables, he drove people out of the temple, I can get mad too. Well, well, if Jesus cleared the temple, I can yell at that person who is just so wrong. If Jesus cleared the temple, then I can punch that person in the face. Well, if Jesus was, was so angry, I could go out to my yard and get the dog poop and put it in a plastic ba- or brown bag and put it on my neighbor's porch because he won't cut his grass or pick up his leaves, put it there, light it on fire, ring the doorbell, and run away because Jesus cleared the temple. We use this story to justify all sorts of things. Yes, God gets angry. Absolutely. We see god's anger throughout the bible i'm not disagreeing with that But why did god come to earth as jesus? What's the point? What's his mission? Did he come to declare who was right and who was wrong? Did he come to say these people are good and these people are evil? Did he come to condemn did he come to destroy his enemies? Look what happens next The story ends, we read that at the end of chapter 2. Chapter 3 begins, and remember, originally there are no chapters, there's no verses, it's just this. Years later, very helpfully, these were added in so you could find it, but don't think just because chapter 2 ends and chapter 3 ends that John says forget about chapter 2. No, this is an ongoing story. So the very next verse, after this account of the cleansing of the temple, starts in John chapter 3, verse 1, and this is what it says. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Immediately after this cleansing the temple picture, we get this nighttime scene with this big shot Nicodemus, who is a Pharisee, he's a ruler. Now remember this, how the Romans kind of worked their occupation out is they would allow the local religion to function, right? They would allow the local religion to function. As long as the taxes came in, they could care less what you did, believed, worshipped, as long as Rome got their taste, And so Rome essentially established this ruling council made up of Pharisees and Sadducees and other scribes and leaders And said you manage the temple you figure out how to do this You sign off on the permits for the people selling the sheep and the the money changers and all this stuff And Jesus just come in and wrecked that place And the very next scene is somebody whose life was just wrecked he was just called out he was just challenged jesus has just called them a a a den of thieves just 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 absolute trash how dare you do this and this nicodemus shows up this nicodemus shows up and he wants to talk to jesus and what follows is a long conversation what follows is a long conversation And if Jesus came to simply condemn people like this If Jesus came to simply say you are so wrong, you are terrible I want nothing to do with you. This would be the time to do that This would be the time where he's got an audience. He's got one-on-one with one of the powerful people This is the time where Jesus could say I'm done with you I'm done with you But apparently he has this long conversation he has this long conversation because here's what I think is going on Jesus is mad But jesus still loves this man Jesus is mad, but he still loves this man. See here's the reality I can't love someone If I put a label on them If I put a label on them, I cap I I kind of limit The amount of love I can show someone if I put a label on them and say they're the enemy, they're the opposition, if I, say, I put a label on them and say they are disruptive, they are, they are just, just, they're just terrible, they're not fun to be around, if I put the label on them to say they're, not, they're just not healthy, I just can't, I can't handle being around them, all of a sudden what happens is that my estimation of myself goes up and my estimation of them goes down because you can't love somebody past the label you put on them. Tim Keller puts it this way. He says the fastest way to become a Pharisee Is to hate pharisees The fastest way to hate The fastest way to become a pharisee is to hate pharisees As soon as we get involved in that we are back there jesus just got done Wrecking the temple wrecking the temple courts his anger is real. It's legitimate. It's justified. He corrects the problem But then he has this long conversation With one of the people in charge of that temple And what jesus does in that conversation is that he reveals his mission He reveals that the ultimate expression of love your neighbors yourself is when god comes to earth and gives himself on behalf of us at the end of this conversation verse 15 of john 3 jesus starts to wrap things up he says that everyone who believes May have eternal life in him. He's talking about his mission. And then John comes in and adds this aside. You're familiar with it. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. He wrecks the temple, he's approached. By this leader this Nicodemus he could have the conversation with him and say this is where you went wrong this is where you screwed up this is why God's mad this is why I'm mad because I'm God on earth And instead he declares for God so loved the world that he came he gave himself he gave his one and only Son whoever believes him shall not perish shall not die but have eternal life see god comes to earth as jesus and he resists he fights he gets angry he comes and he's angry and he calls people out and he challenges people but he's not doing that to de- to to demonize or dehumanize someone he's not doing that to say this is how terrible you are he's doing that to make things right. He's doing that for justice. He's getting angry at the situation. He's getting angry at what's happening, but he's not, he's not getting angry at people necessarily. He's not, he's not saying you are the enemy. He's saying this is wrong. He's not, he's not getting angry that. I think it's so fitting. I'm talking about this. It's, you know, this, this coincidence that it's Martin Luther King weekend. And we can, we can look to Dr. King and we see all the ways in which that he saw an unjust thing. And through his sacrifice and through his incredible leadership and oratory and the Spirit of God, he changed society. Not by calling out evil and stopping there, but by calling out evil and demonstrating love. He follows the example of Jesus. Jesus gets mad at these religious leaders, at their hypocrisy, at the the heavy loads that they're putting on people. Yet Jesus, with one of these religious leaders, meets him in secret and tells him what he's up to. Tells him that behind all the teaching, all the healing, all those things, God's love is immense for us. God's love is immense for us. Because in John chapter 3, verse 17, he declares that he did not come to condemn, he came to save. Jesus did not come to condemn, he came to save. God's anger isn't about violence. It's about justice It's about making things Right He pursues justice by driving out the animals and the money changers From the temple courts. He pursues justice for what's right by taking the kid that was pushed to the back and said he's a nuisance He can't be here and putting him on his lap He 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 makes things right In healing people who have been forgotten He makes things right by challenging hypocrisy and judgment and he's probably challenging the likes of Nicodemus one day and then teaching him about grace that night see God's anger is real God's anger is pure God's anger at the brokenness of things leads God to go to the cross to experience the ultimate injustice the ultimate sin the ultimate brokenness of the world and the way that god resisted in that moment god's anger turned into love god's anger in pursuit of justice said the only way forward here is to sacrifice is to make this right and so god allows himself to be killed the anger of god the anger of jesus all of that leads jesus to making things right on the cross and the vindication the vindication that says it was worth it the vindication that says it really did change something it really does matter was when jesus walked out of that tomb three days later this is the jesus we follow the Jesus we follow, that we read in John, that John writes so that we may believe, gets mad, gets angry, takes action. But he is not there to condemn. He's there to make things right. He's not there to, to just, just humiliate someone and own them and show them how wrong they are. He is there to restore them and make things right. He is there to save them. And that's exactly what he does. That's exactly what he does. The God that we follow, that's exactly what Jesus is up to.